Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Let's just uh, review a little bit. What's a Pyrrhic victory mean? A high cost. Right. A victory at a high cost. Okay. If you met a person who was Saturnine, what kind of person are they? Um, not happy. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sort of gloomy, sort of dull, um, sort of, you know, just boring. What's the opposite of Saturnine? Do you remember? I said jovial, but I don't know. Well, jovial could be, no. there's even a better word is mercurial. Would, would it be mercurial, maybe? Mercurial, yeah. That's, that's oh, really okay. the more, even, even more, yeah. And what do we call those mythical creatures that sang songs and lured men to their doom? <laughs> what do we uh, call those guys? It's a siren. Siren. Right. Okay. Yeah, the sirens. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, it's too bad they didn't sing with the sound of a siren that we hear today. Nobody would have jumped off the ship at all. <laughs> it just kept going. So I, I find this. I find the sirens very interesting because no one ever saw them. No right. one ever got a look at what they really looked like, but their voices were just so enchanting that men thought they were men. You know how blind guys sometimes, oh, that, she's a beautiful girl, man. Oh, her, And she might look like, a, I don't know what, but they think that she's very beautiful because they love her voice. And that's what these guys were. They heard their voice and they said, Ooh, you know, I like that voice. And they, we're willing like to a radio jump on voice, a voice mm -hmm. on radio, a voice on radio, and you fall in love with the absolutely. voice. Absolutely. The same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. And what is a, who was, who was Solon? Well, he was a lawgiver. I don't know if he was a chief or a king or I don't know what All he right. was. He was a lawgiver. Yeah, he was a lawgiver. It was in Athens. So it was a democracy. Uh, and he made laws that were very good laws, very fair laws. And so he's a very wise man. He could write poetry. He could do all kinds of things. And so he's just a, a real well-rounded kind of Greek. And he's very well-respected. And, of course, a Solon today could refer to anybody who is a legislature. So if we wanted to talk about our Congress or our House of Reps, we could say, oh, those Solons are up in Capitol Hill right now. No relation to the name Solomon. Well, that's an interesting point. I don't think there is, but, but that's very interesting, and I honestly don't know that. I do not know. Uh, one's Greek and one's Hebrew, but of course, Greek is sort of, a, it's not a Semitic language, but it's all you know, kind of related Indo-European, I suppose. I don't know if Hebrew is an Indo-European language or not. I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't know. Carly, you probably know more about that than I do. I think it might be. But Hebrew is a Semitic language, but it, whether, it was, Semitic language. whether yeah. it was an Indo-European, a member of Indo-European, I do not know. I look I at my know. language trees. Yeah. All right. Well, now what I did here, I simply... Put some as as Musi asked me to do. 
I put some words in to practice, and I'm going to go over these words. Even if you don't have them, I'm going to go over them. So we said that the short A sounds like ah in the English word alike, and the word I gave you to practice was the word A-B, ab, ab. That's how you pronounce it, ab. Long A is pronounced like the A in father, and the word I gave you to practice was pater, pater. That is father. Yeah, father, pater. The E, the short E is like eh in the word pet, and the word I gave you was et, E-T. You've seen that word a million times. Mm -hmm. The letter long E is A, and the word I gave you was may, which you've seen, M-E, me, like the word me in in English. I, the word I gave you, I mean, uh, the the, uh, short I is pronounced I, I, like in the English word sip. And the Latin word I gave you is the word S-I-T, which is pronounced sit. Sit. It doesn't mean sit, by the way. It actually, Carla, if you want to know, is the subjunctive of est. So it's like sea in Spanish. Okay. Um, The long I is the sound you get in the word sleep. And the word we have here is heek. Heek, meaning here. Short O. Sounds like the O in four, and the word I gave you was nox. Nox. Anyone know what nox means? Anyone want to guess? Yeah, night. night. Okay, nox. And the long O is like the sound of the O in holy, and the word I gave you was known. Known. N O N. U. I'm sorry. N O N. Mm-hmm. Known. Short U is like the U in put, and the word I gave you was nunk, N U N C, nunk. Long U is like the U in boot, and I gave you the word looks. Remember what the word looks means? Light. Light, yeah. yeah. And it also can mean Um, darling, right? If you call your girl light, especially looks maya, my light. Yeah, okay. Diphthongs. I is like the sound in the word sky. Guy. And the word I gave you was ice, A-E-S, ice. By the Which way, that means- does not mean ice. It means bronze. Bronze. It means okay. bronze. A-U is like the English word, uh, like the sound in the English word how. And the word I gave you was out, A-U-T, out. It does not mean out, by the way. It means or, either or. Right, and the, the interesting thing is that particular dim thong, you can hear both of its members. Ah, ooh, ah. Yeah, you sort of can. Yeah, you. Well, you can with a e too, in a way. I. I. You yeah. sort of can. Um, o e is like the oi in boy, like oy. that sound o y. And the word I gave you was proelium. P r o e l i u m. Proelium. Say it again. Proelium. Say it again. Pro- O-E sounds like oi, and the word I gave you was proelium, P-R-O-E-L-I-U-M, proelium. Proelium. You know what that word means? Prison. means battle. Proelium. It's a kind of a Proelium. Proelium. Now, the next word is the A-E diphthong, which we talked about last week, kind of like A, A, A. I could not... I could not think of a Latin word to give you as an example of E-I. I know that I have seen words that have E-I in them. I know I have. 
I cannot think of one. So you had to do without a practice word on that diphthong. But it's like eh, eh. Okay. EU is like the sound in few. And I gave you the word Europa, meaning Europe. E U R O P A. Europa. Europa. Right. And then the UI, UI is like wit, like the sound in wit. And I gave you the word quit. Now, you want to try to sing our vowel song again? Remember, it's ah, ah, ah. And what it does, it gives you one, two, three, four, five short vowels, then a long vowel, then a short vowel, long vowel, short vowel, long vowel for each vowel. So it goes, ah, don't sing it. I mean, mute if you're going to sing because it'll be a chaos. It goes, ah, 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 eh, 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 eh. what you do at the end because you're so tired of singing all those vows <laughs> anyway they that's what that high school class did that made it up all right now we come to uh we had some rules and the rules are pretty easy c and g are always hard i gave you the word germania it's not germania it's germania or germanus i guess i gave you germanus um germanus and i also gave you Cupio, C-U-P-I-O. So the C and the G are hard. H, when it's in P-H, does not sound like F. It just sounds like P. So Elephantus. Elephantus, not Elephantus. Elephantus. Okay. I followed by a vowel is like the J in English, and it's pronounced Ya. And the word I gave you was injuria, I-N-I-U-R-I-A, injuria, okay? The R is always rolled, and I gave you one of my favorite Latin words, erripio, <laughs> erripio. You know what that means? It means to rip off somebody. No, it really means to snatch something away from someone. Erripio. I like that word. Erripio. Um, T-I-O is always it's never sh, it's always T-I-O. So oratio is the word I gave you. Oratio, not oratio. And the V is pronounced like the like the W. Wah. And there is no W. And I gave you a cute Latin word for this. We kiss them. V-I-C-I-S-S-I-M. We kiss them. You know what we kiss them means? Mm-mm. It means in turn. Means what? So you can say, it means in turn, like I N space T R and in turn, in order, and you know, and so you can remember it by saying, we kiss them in turn. Like, you know, we kiss them in turn. We kiss the girls in turn, one after the other. So I you can always question. remember the meaning of that word. 
we get the I word vis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you roll the R in Europa? Europa. Europa. Yes, you do. Europa. Okay. Yes. Always roll the R. By the way, where did the name Europa come from? It came from a girl. Um, there was a girl who, I hope I can get this straight. Uh, she was playing on the seashore one day and she saw this beautiful bull. And she loved this bull and she went over to it and tried to get on its back. And it took off with her and sw- swam with her way out to sea and so forth and t- took her away from her home. And then it turned out not to be a bull at all. It turned out to be Jupiter and he raped her and she had a kid. And that's where Europe came from. Not a very nice myth, but that's the myth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anyway, this word, we kiss them. We also get the English word vicissitude. Have you ever heard that word? The vicissitudes of life yeah. means the changes, the problem, the, yeah, the, the things that problems. happen to us in life, the vicissitudes. Yeah, I have a special, um, wonderful, warm feeling from the word vicissitude. I, our superintendent at the school for the blind knew that I liked big words, and that was one of the words that he gave me, and he called me his little vicissitude. <laughs> <laughs> Who called you that? You say a teacher you had at the school? Yeah, the little uh, superintendent. Oh, the you know, superintendent. That name for me, because uh, he knew I liked big words. And oh. said so the vicissitudes of life. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, That's so, funny. so every time I hear the word vicissitude, I think of Mr. Hughes. Yep. And then if you'd gotten older and been there as a teenager, you could have said, but Mr. Hughes, we kiss him in turn. Yes, we kiss him in turn. Right. Okay, now uh, accented, you have the ultima, which is the last syllable of a word, the penult, which is the next to the last syllable of a word, and the antipenult, which is the third syllable of a word. And that's what you use to determine the accent. Last syllable, almost never accented. The second syllable from the end, the penult is accented if it's long. If it's not, then the antipenult is accented. And that's all there is to it. That's the rule. That's the rule. Now, we have this conversation here, and I didn't change it at all. I'm going to skip the numbers for right now. Uh, do you want to go over this conversation, or do you think you know it well enough just to read it and or not? If you want to go over it again, we can't. Well, since we're not going to be together, I think it'd be a good idea, because we're not okay. going to be together next week. Okay. We I'd like to hear it read as a conversation, I, um, you know, like a real conversation. You want to hear it read as a conversation, you say? Yeah, I mean, if you had a second person, it would be really nice. But Well, I'll I'd... tell you what I will do. What? Well, even though I'm a guy and Ninette is a girl, uh-huh. we will. she and I will read this next week to you as a conversation. Okay. Okay, because that way you will get a feeling for it. We can I know why it's called. We can I know why. And you can repeat if you want, uh, muted, but otherwise... Salwe, I'm not going to tell you the meaning because the meanings mm-hmm. are here in your notes. Salwe, Salwe to quote que. <laughs> Quid est tibi nomen? Mihi nomen est Julia et tibi. Quid est nomen? Uh, nomen mihi est Cornelia. Quotes the Tibiani. Uh, 
Duodecim honors complewi et tibi quotsunt ani. Um, I had an email come in right in the middle of that, and that killed me. <coughs> Duodecim honors quoque complewi ubi habitas hic in proximo. Hercle finitima noa es it awero nos hic heri perwenimus ante brundisi habitabamus ubi pater erat mercatur. Meus pater es senator romans es ne sponsor it awero marco. Est suavissimus et optimus weird. Est benignus. Mihi malta dona dona. Mm -hmm. Et tu? Est ne sponsa quoque? Mm -hmm. uh, non doom. Nunc. Uh, Nequese est mihi domum irre. Matrem me vocantem audio. Cross iterum loquemor. Vale. Ah. <laughs> uh, Mihi quoque uh, intus irre debe o. Vale tu quoque. Mm -hmm. There we go. Okay, the meanings are given there to you in your notes. And by the way, in case we have anyone new that joined, and I think I heard a new name that I didn't recognize, if you wish to get notes from this class, write to Cindy or to Bell or whoever's doing it. Uh, community at acb.org is all you have to write to community at acb.org and tell them you want my contact information that you want my notes and I will get send them to you. They all, so, most of them may also be in the, um, uh, you know, the link there. Uh, I don't think these newest ones are yet, but can't okay, let's that. Mm -hmm. Can't you give that community email address if you need to? I did. Hey, Community he, at AC. He did. No, ours. I don't mean, I mean, the one you have for Community Latin, I mean. No, no, uh, no, I can't. No, because I don't have a special one for that. So. Yes, you do. I didn't know it. <laughs> well, I didn't know it if I do. That's what I thought you were using it for. Okay. No yeah. more. Uh, now, uh, I'd like to practice pronouncing these words here a little bit in these exercises. And if you think you know how to pronounce, okay, what's the first word? How do we, a lot of these words, by the way, are words that have come directly from Latin into English. And we know a lot of them and a lot of them have the same meaning. Some of them don't. Mm -hmm. How would you pronounce the first word? Who can pronounce that word? Actor. Yeah. And in Latin though, octor. Octor. Actor. Octor. All right. What about the next one? Anyone? Al well, it's album. album in, in album. English. Yeah, album. An album is a white book, by the way. And I guess originally when picture albums first came out, they were blank and you put pictures in them. And then when record albums came out at first, they looked like picture albums because they were like, you know, they, they were like books with records in them. And so that's <laughs> where the term album came from. Huh. All right. Next. Animal. 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 Good. Next. Antenna. 
Antena. Antena. See, because why? The, there's no long vowel in there. Antena. By the way, do you know what an antena, do you know what it really means in Latin? No. It means a sail yard. Like you'd have on a ship, like with a, you know, a long horizontal arm sticking out that mm. tie the mast to and all that stuff. And so I guess it's a little bit like those things that stick out on an ant's head or mm. whatever. That's where it came mm. from. And by the way, the plural in English of this word is antennae if you're talking about insects and antennas if you're talking about radio or television. Mm. That's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, next. Anterior. Anterior, good. <laughs> next. I hope I've got the right list. You do. Uh, you're carrot. exactly right. Carrot. 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 Now, that word does not mean carrot, by the way. And I don't know what a carrot looks like in print, and I don't know why they call it a carrot. But this word in Latin means something something lacks. He, she, or it is lacking or lacks. So I have no idea what that <laughs> comes from. All right, next. Calculator. Good, calculator. See how the long mark helps you know how to accent that? Calculator, and it means a calculator, same thing. All right, now here's one I remember puzzling over. In Latin one, I did not know why my teacher pronounced this word the way she did, but I didn't ask her because I figured I was a peon and what would I know? Coptivus. Coptivus. I thought at, at first, I thought, why didn't it pronounce Coptivus? Well, it's because the I is long. Coptivus, which is what she would have told me if I had asked her. Coptivus. <laughs> Coptivus. You know what Coptivus means? Captive. A captive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a play in Latin called The Captives, Captivi by Plautus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next. Creditor. Creditor. Creditor, rather. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now you have two words, and I want you to tell me how to pronounce them. They're the same word, pretty much. Loquerus. The first one is loquerus, because there's no long mark. The first one is loquerus. What's the second one? Loqueris. Loqueris, because there is a long mark. By the way, that's the difference between the present tense and the future tense of that particular word. Loqueris means he is speaking, or I'm sorry, you are speaking. Loqueris means you will speak. Mm. So that's one time the long mark makes all the difference. Mm. All right, next. Amare. 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 Good. Next. Videre. 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 Okay, next. Ducere. 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 No long mark, so you pronounce, you accent the first syllable. Ducere. Next. What's that mean? What's that mean? It means to, to lead. To lead. Oh, oh, the infinitive. Oh. Yep. It's where we get abduct from. It's where we get education from. Okay. Duct. What's that? Abduct. Yeah. Abduct. Conduct. Also, reduce, seduce, induce, <laughs> produce. A lot of words come from that word. Okay, next. Colossus. Colossus. Yeah, that means a colossus, like you figure. Colossus. All right. Here's one we had in our, uh, I think we had this one in our examples. In Uria. In Uria. Okay. And then. Oh, before we go on, I have a bad dot on my Braille display. What is there right before the A? I. Oh, man. It's I-N. 
What it is is I-N-I long U-R-I-A. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Yuria. Oh, yeah, these Braille displays really funk up this Latin. They make it funky looking. Yes. They do. They really do. I had an example of it a while ago where they really botched up something. All right, next. Industria. 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 Yeah, industria. industria. All right, next. And that means the same thing. Curator. Curator. Good. Curator. Caretaker. All right, here's a hard one. Phoenix. Phoenix. Phoenix in English, but Poenix. Oh, that's right, because we don't PH. That's right. So Poenix. Poenix in Latin. Poenix. Okay, next. Say it again. Poenix. Phoenix. 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 Okay. Okay, next. Aitnai. Aitnai. That's the name of a mountain in Sicily, Mount Etna. Aitnai. All right. Per Perpetrator. Good. Perpetrator. All right. Next. Verbatim. Verbatim in English. That's exactly right. Word for word. All right. And then. Trivia. 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 Okay. Next. Impromptu. Impromptu, which has to do with suddenness. But it, like if you write an impromptu essay, you write it right suddenly, right off the spot. Okay, next. Creator. Creator. Okay. Next. Criteria. 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 To believe that. What is that? C-R-E-D-E-R-E. Yeah, Criteria. Yeah. All right. And then. Credaris, you will believe. You will believe. Or actually, you will be believed. Excuse me. You will be believed. All right. And cred, crederis, crederis. I did that one for you. You will, you, you are believed. Notice yeah. again, that's a difference between the future and the and the present. Okay, next. Litera. 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 All right. Next. Tempora. Tempora. Next. Hilarus. Hilarus. Hilarus, meaning happy. That's, by the way, where the name Hillary comes from. <laughs> okay, next. Munera. 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 Good. Next. Uh, Muneribus. There you are. That's a good example. It's funny that you know Munera, you pronounce the first syllable, but on... The next word, you have to pronounce the third from the end because it's too long. You know, muneribus. So it does change accents there. All right. Indicase. 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 Does it mean indices? Yep. That word is a funny word, though, because there are two plurals in English. There, In English, there's indexes. And there's indices, and one means like indicators. I think that's the one. I think that's indices, like indicators of uh, of something, a whole bunch of indicators, whereas indexes is the plural of more than one index in a book or something. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Hmm. Okay. Indicator. Indicator. 
Incubator. Incubator. Liberator. Liberator. Murmura. Murmura. Good. Opus. Opus. That means work. Yep. And the plural of plural. it is opera. Opera. Works, opera. which is where we get opera from. Okay. Pauper. Pauper. That means poor. That's where you get the English word pauper. Did you ever wonder why that book was called The Prince and the Pauper? Yeah. Well, there we are. Now you know why. Peninsula. Peninsula. Yep. Peninsula. A peninsula, an almost island. All right. One more. Radius. Radius. Very good. Very good. Okay. I hope everybody uh, got that. Now, uh, we want to sing your songs we have here. Mm -hmm. The first one is Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And Ninette and I sang this the second day we were in Latin class. <laughs> and I lost my, and we went in there. Teacher took us down to sing it to the principal because she was a Latin teacher, had been a Latin teacher. And I lost my place in the middle of the song and I was the only guy in the class. And so the teacher goes, come on, go on. And I'm like, lost my place. <laughs> so I'm sure it was kind of interesting. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Mika, 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 Parva Stella, Mirror Quinam Sistombella, Splendens Aminus in Illo, Alba Wellet, Gamma Kylo. There we are. <laughs> so it goes Mika, Mika, Parva Stella, Mirror Quinam Sistombella, Splendens Aminus in Illo, Alba Wellet, Gamma Kylo, Mika, Mika, Parva Stella, Mirror Quinam Sistombella. I love it. You know what? It doesn't give you a chance to catch your breath. I no, know it doesn't. And I, and you know, I really should have given you. Class. I should have repeated Mika Mika Parvastella Mira Quinum Sistombella. Um, you know, just so you know, I don't know why I didn't do that. I should have done that, but anyway. All right, let's do Te Cano Patria, the the My Country Tis of Thee. Ready? Te Cano Patria Candida. Libera te referet, portus et exulum et tumulusenum, libera motium vox resonet. You want to do the second verse or not? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Tutores unicus unus avum deus laudo libens patria luceat libera fogeat vis tua muriat omnipotens. And by the way, that last word omnipotens is a very good word. That's where we get the word omnipotent. It means mm -hmm. all-powerful. So that's a good... Uh, any of those words with omni in them, like omnipotence, all-powerful, uh, omnivorous, eating everything, uh, om, uh, omniscient, the omniscienes, omniscient, all-knowing. Mm -hmm. uh, Seem to me there's another one. Omnibus. Well, yes. Yes. Omnibus meaning for, that's the dative and ablative of that word. And it means for all. 
And therefore, when when they first came out with transportation that was meant for everyone, not just for the rich and high and mighty, it was called an omnibus. And so for years in England, you'd take an omnibus to go somewhere. And I guess every while they got tired of saying it, so they just shortened it to bus. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's where people that say Latin's de- Latin is a dead language make me laugh because here they jump on a bus every day and or their kids uh-huh. do and go to school. And yet they say Latin is a dead language. They're not important. So there we are. There we are. Anyway, so interesting. And uh, uh, again, we won't have <laughs> class next week. Now, I want to continue to talk about marriage. Last week, we were talking about the betrothal. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we said that, you know, parents arrange betrothals and marriages and so forth, uh, which is common in the ancient world. Carla, wasn't it up to about the 1900s when couples were allowed to start making their own decision about marriage? I think it was pretty late, 18 or 1900s. I don't know. Uh, I mean, not, excuse me, I mean, 18th or 19th century, I guess. I think it was the 19th century when that started to happen. But um, anyway, so the very first thing that would happen is the girl's father would get, uh, or rather, excuse me, the boy's father. Let's take the boy's father. He'd get an idea in his head that he wanted to get a wife for his son, and he would look around and see who he could find and if he found a likely candidate he would go to the father of the girl and he would say spondesne meaning do you promise spondesne filium tuam filiomea uxorem dare do you promise to give your daughter as a wife to my son or if it was for himself no it wouldn't be impossible he could say me he instead of to my son so maybe he's looking for a new wife for some reason um, and the guy, the group, the uh, girl's father would say, "Di bene vertant spondeo." May the gods let it turn out well. I promise. Or non spondeo. I don't promise. <laughs> There's a funny story. Whether I'd love to, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when this happened. Scipio Africanus. You know who he is. He was the guy that finally conquered Hannibal and beat him. Uh, His name was Scipio Africanus. Supposedly, he went to a banquet for the senators. They were all chowing down. And he promised to give his daughter Cornelia to a guy named uh, Tiberius Gracchus. Well, when he got home, his wife got furious with him because she said, it's not right for you to promise our daughter without telling me to someone. And so uh, I think the women did not like to be left out of this. The mothers, they wanted to have a little bit of a say in it too. And she was furious with him because, so he might've conquered Hannibal, but I have an idea he had a real fight in his household that night uh, over that little episode. But anyway, he did end up marrying his daughter, Cornelia, to Tiberius Gracchus. And we'll talk more about them sometime. Um, So after the father of the bride and the father of the groom had had this little talk. Then you had a little ceremony. And this ceremony is called the sponsalia. S-P-O-N-S-A-L-I-A. And this ceremony was the betrothal ceremony. And the couples would get together at the bride's house. And they would all come into a room 
and they would formally repeat the question. The father of the groom to be would say, Spondesne, filio meho, filiam tuam uxorem dare. And then the uh, father of the bride would repeat, Spondeo, yes, I do. Okay. And then they would, uh, they would give the bride some gifts, the bride-to-be, that is. They would give her some gifts. And one of the things they would give her is an onulus, A-N-U-L-U-S. You know what an onulus is? It's a ring. So engagement rings are nothing new. <laughs> and guess what finger they wore this engagement ring on? Here, you're third. at 20 till the top of the hour. Thanks a lot, Mike. The third finger on the left hand is where you would wear this engagement ring. And that's because they thought that there was a nerve running from that finger straight to the heart. And that's why they would wear it. And this ring would be either a gold ring or an iron ring with gold interlaid into it or, you know, put into it. And so that concluded the sponsalia. And the betrothal period could last anywhere from, you know, 10 years to <laughs> a year or two or whatever, you know. I mean, like I told you last week, some couples uh, say, for example, that uh, I have a son and he's maybe 10 years old. And Carla, yeah. her family just had a little daughter and she's three. And I say, you know, it would be neat. We're, we're such good friends that I want our families to be joined. And so I would maybe pledge those two to be married, even though the girl's only three, the guy's only 10. And then that betrothal would last until they were of age to get married. And the age of marriage was usually, for the girl, usually about 12. Uh, although, wow. uh, you know, probably 12, 13 somewhere around there. Cicero's wife was 14 when she got married and they were a little worried about her. They thought she was going to be an old maid. Wow. Uh, you know, when you think of the maturity of the average 12 and 13 year olds, it scares you, doesn't it? But look, Jesus's mother, yeah. Jesus's mother was a little girl like this, 12, 13, 14, something like that. Of course they didn't yeah. live as long either. No. Isn't it as soon as uh, she's capable of bearing a child? Yeah, yeah. So as soon as she's yeah. in, into into puberty, pretty good, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it does make you wonder. And what else it makes you wonder is, you know, you're a 23 year old guy and you're married to this 12 year old girl or 13 year old girl. Mm-hmm. What in the world do you talk about? <laughs> I mean, there, there's, I mean, there's not much in common between a 23 year old guy and a 12 year old girl or a 13 year old girl. They just don't. I don't know, but it must have been, uh, it must have worked out, you know, fine. But but what would happen if, okay, they betrothed these two children to join the cl- the families together? What would happen if the two children couldn't stand each other? <laughs> well, bad. that's too bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, one thing they didn't usually, I don't think they usually would force uh, people to get married, you know, if they, uh, so probably what would happen is, the kids would fuss and complain, and maybe the fathers would may say, well, we don't want to make them unhappy, so, you know, okay. But then again, they might say, look, I made a promise to this man. We're going to go through with this marriage. It's hard to say. 
I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that the Roman fathers loved, you know, the children enough to listen to them a little. But then again, don't forget that father really legally has the power of life and death over these children. So he could easily say, you either marry or you're done. Now, most of them would never do that, but you could. Or he could say, you either marry the person that I've picked out for you or you don't marry. That could happen. Uh, geographical proximity matter. So would the people mostly live within a reasonable distance of one another? And then if they moved that, somebody moved that could change it or what? I would say if, that mostly they did live in the same geographical vicinity. But I would also say not necessarily if the family moved that betrothal could still go on because that family would still have ties of hospitality with each other and they would still be a close family. And so I have a feeling that betrothal would not change just because one of the families moved away. Would They would have a wedding, they would get together for the wedding, and then the couple would go wherever the groom was. You know, I don't know. So, yeah, it, uh, it does lead to some interesting questions. Uh, I don't think these betrothals were quite as serious as the Jewish betrothals. You know, you know about them. They were almost like a marriage. And if you were caught, you know, getting into a compromising situation, you were in serious trouble. And it was like a divorce. I don't know that Roman betrothals were quite that serious, although certainly the bride better not turn up pregnant. Uh, be quite a scandal uh, if she did. Uh, but anyway, uh, and I honestly don't know how much the couples visited each other once that girl and boy were betrothed. I don't know that they necessarily uh, got together every week or whatever, you know, or every day. I think, you know, maybe some. It, it probably depended a great deal on the families. These families were usually friends. They usually knew each other. The girl and the boy probably knew each other before this ever happened. Uh, and so uh, in our story, in the Ecce Romani book, which I used to teach from, there's a funny story in there. This teenage girl who's like 14 is sitting around thinking, it's so boring. Nothing ever happens. No one pays any attention to me. Nothing's going on. Mom doesn't have time to talk to me. I hardly ever see dad. My brothers are busy in school. Everything is just boring. And then they call her into the study and the father says, Cornelia, and he tells her that story about Scipio Africanus. Then he says, but your mother and I agreed on this. You, We promise you to... And they, he, they name the guy and they say, we think this is a really good marriage. Are you pleased with this? And she says, yes. And then so uh, she knew who this guy was before and she liked him quite well before. Uh, but uh, she agreed. So that was that. Uh, so it's just kind of funny. You kind of imagine what it might have been like. Uh, what would it have been like if, say, this little girl is uh, 12 or 13, and they send her in and say, you're going to marry Quintus Valerius, and he's uh, just gotten done being a consul. That means he's 43 years old. And you can imagine, what is she thinking? You know, wow, I'm going to marry this old geezer. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it brings up some interesting uh, thoughts, you know, scenarios. All right, well, let's talk about the wedding. By the way, you know one of the best times for people to get married? June. Yes. 
the latter part of June, even back then. It's, it's amazing to me how many similarities there are between Roman uh, things. And I was like wearing the ring on the same finger and the fact mm-hmm. that June is a good month to, to marry and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, there were basically, you know, if you think about America a minute, there are a lot of different kinds of marriages in America. Well, not necessarily a lot of kind, but there are a couple kinds. One kind of marriage is where, where a couple just moves in with each other. And after seven years, that is a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. That's a marriage. That's a type of marriage. It's called a common law marriage. There is another type of marriage where people go through a wedding and have a wedding and actually are considered marriage. Uh, I don't know if there's any other kind of marriage or not, but in the Roman world, there were three kinds of marriages that you could have. One was called usus, which means use, and that was like our common law kind of marriage. And so like a girl and a boy would just get together and stay together and live together for a number of years, and they would just be considered married. That was considered a marriage. This was usually done with poorer people with people who were poor, with people, uh, maybe even with, well, not with slaves, because slaves could not uh, go into a contract like marriage, but maybe a freedman, maybe a guy who was freed from slavery, somebody like that. This was a kind of marriage the poor people mostly went in for. The second kind of marriage we don't know much about, it's called coemptio, and it means purchase. We don't know much about this, but this probably happened a lot with middle-class type families. Um, And what they would do is they would pretend at the wedding that the girl was being sold to the groom. They would have a mock sale where the uh, bride was sold to the groom. But we don't know much about this uh, type of marriage. The type of marriage that we know most about is called the confariatio. That is C-O-N-F-A-R-A-T-E. I-O. And it's called that because that means spelt cake eating. Okay. And this is the kind <laughs> we know most about because this is the kind we have most records from, uh, this, this type of marriage. We know more about this. And, and the, the reason it's called that during the ceremony, one of the big things that will happen is the couple will share a piece of cake. And this cake is made from spelt. And it's called, the word for spelt is far. And so the, that's why they get the word confariatio, a, a spelt eating cake. By the way, I've tasted that Roman wedding cake. My students used to make it. It's really bad tasting. So what? It's what's, bad. In it? what's in it? It's got like, uh, it. it's kind of like, it, it's got like um, dough and sugar and grape juice. And Ew. I'm trying to think of the dough they use. It, it's not... Anything like a cake that you ever ate. It's more like kind of like a cheesecake, but no crumbs. Like it's like a real heavy kind of cake. I don't know. Maybe my students just didn't know how to make it, but it was bad. I mean, it really was bad. Um, I hope the ones they ate were, were better than the ones my students made. Anyway, so the day of the wedding, the couple would all meet. The couple would meet at the at the bride's house come in the main room of the bride's house. Groom's friends and family would come. The bride's family and friends would all come and they would get together in there. There didn't seem to be anything like we have where you're not supposed to see much of the bride before the wedding. It didn't seem to be a a point. 
Uh, so they all got together. And the very first thing you've got to do is you've got to find out if the omens are good. Okay, so they would sacrifice a pig. And they would look at the entrails of this pig. As Virgil says, they would look at the trembling entrails. And if the entrails were normal, then the omens were good, then the marriage could go on. However, if that pig happened to have a diseased liver or some organ that didn't look real good, then the priest would say, oh, that wedding's off. The omens are bad. And that wedding would not happen that day. Can you imagine the disappointment of a couple, uh, the bride or the groom, when they think they're going to get married and then suddenly, nope, the omens are bad. Can't do it today. Have to postpone it. And they would have to postpone it and try another day. Maybe the next day, maybe maybe a week later. I don't know. Uh, okay, so the, the omens are good. And so the couple comes forward. By the way, the couple bride is wearing this beautiful white dress, and she's got a veil on her head. Uh, and she has she's being attended by a married woman. And that woman is called a pronuba, which means a bridesmaid. And she had to be a married woman. Um and uh, by the way, the word for wedding is nuptii, which nuptials. is where we get nuptial from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so the better couple, do an MRI on that pig. What's that? I said better do an MRI on that pig. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, then uh, the couple would come together and they would sit down on a chair. And this chair was two chairs, but covered with the same coverlet. So it would be like taking two chairs and putting a cover across it to make one chair out of it. Okay. And a couple would sit down and they would share a piece of cake with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's this cake eating ceremony. They would share this piece of cake. I guess he would give her a piece and then, I mean, give her a bite and she would give him a bite. And then he Mm -hmm. would give her a bite. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like today where the, where the groom shoves a piece of cake down the bride's throat. I think that's silly. I I think that's awful. I like the feeding nicely. Yeah. That's what that was. Connected these two chairs. I wonder if that is the um, the precursor to our modern love seat. Yeah. uh huh. I bet you a dollar it was. I have one in my living room. It's a love seat and it's got two cushions on it. A very short couch. I wouldn't be surprised. Then the the groom would say to the bride, quid est be no men. You know what that means, (laughs) right? What is your name? He didn't know. And she would say a phrase. And this phrase was, ubi tu gaius ego gaia, which means, Wherever you will be gayest, which is a common first name, wherever you will be gayest, I will be gaya. Okay, meaning, you know, like wherever you'll be George, I'll be Georgia. Wherever you will be, you know, whatever, whatever you can think of, uh, Patrick, I'll be Patricia, whatever. Uh, and so she said those words. Then he gave her a kiss which, by the way, was probably the first time he had his lips on her unless he kissed her at the betrothal. I think he may have given her a kiss at the betrothal ceremony, too. But I don't think there was an awful lot of uh, physical stuff like we have today. Um, He gave her a kiss. And uh, then that part of the wedding was over. 
and the guests would go on. Oh, everybody would say, Feliciter, good luck. Okay. Or they would say, Talasio. Now, funny, no one knows what Talasio meant. It's like, good luck. It's like happy wedding, but no one knew what it meant. They think it is a god, Talasius, who was in charge of weddings or marriage, but no one knew exactly what it was by the time of Cicero. Nobody knew what the words meant. Can you think of an expression that we use in English that no one knows really what it means, but they say it? I can't. But I'm I don't sure know. Not. Like, what's heavens to Murgatroyd? Heavens to Murgatroyd. That might be one. Yeah, <laughs> that might be one. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Yeah, nobody knows why people say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even heavens to Betsy, maybe. <laughs> uh, you say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anyway, so Pete's it's an expression sake, nobody knows. Sake. Who's for Pete? Pete's sake, yeah. Or fire at Will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor yeah. Will. He gets shot all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what that is. That's so we good. don't know what this word meant. Okay, so now they party. They start feasting, having a great dinner, a great day. Remember, this started in the morning, and this this thing will go on till toward three o'clock in the afternoon, toward gets evening. Now, when it gets evening, we're not done yet. It gets evening. The the groom will pretend to snatch the bride out of her mother's arms. So the, the mother will take the bride in her arms and hold her, and the groom will come over and snatch her out of her mother's arms. Mm-hmm. And this is like a recreation of the rape of the Sabines. Remember we talked about that back a while? Okay, so they'll they'll let me see what time it is. I don't want to get too uh we're actually at about uh, 56 we'll after. Quit. I think we'll quit here. We'll finish over. the wedding next week. We can't. Okay. Not next week. Not next uh, week. week after. Week after next. Yeah. No, next week. Next week. No. Yeah, long honeymoon. Week after <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah. We can't. Well, this wedding will get postponed. Yes. Of bad omens, I've had so a bad thing today. Bad thing right. today. Okay. So I'll talk to you guys in two weeks and I'll, I might send you some notes. And Carla, if I do, I'll let you know just so you can oh, check up on it. You have and two I'll minutes. I'll try to resend you those other notes too. Yeah, you have two minutes. What's that? You have two minutes. Yeah. Oh, one thing I didn't tell you about the earlier part of the ceremony. They would have a, a, a paper, a witness of the wedding. I forgot what they called that, that about 10 people would sign that they saw this wedding, this uh cake eating ceremony take place. It was almost like, I guess, our marriage license, kind of. Uh, They'd have a paper that this couple had, and it would also have all the stuff in there about the agreement, um, you know, the dowry and how much that was and that the groom would return it if he divorced her and all that kind of stuff. So Gary, a quick question. Uh, Is there a book, a particular book or books that you read to find out all about the culture and the things that you share with us and with your students? Uh, a lot of that came from the Ecce Romani book, but yes, there are a lot of books. Remind me next week and I'll tell you, uh, there are quite a few of them. I don't want to take the time now because Mike right. has got to close us up here, but, no, but, you, but yeah, I will we, do we that. We just rolled over to, we just rolled over to 50. You, you, later, could, so. you could give us a you know, listing of books. And I will do that. We're done. Bye. Okay.